gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run Hey, this is Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures TV. We have had a great run showing our love for dogs with our show, our podcast, our social media, and all that is based on Soggy Acres Retrievers. We proudly bring this podcast to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers and ask you if you are looking for training, boarding, or a yellow, black, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppies, please check out SoggyAcres.com. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I am your host, Jeff Fuller, and I wanted to talk to you all today about having your dog trained prior to season. Every dog trainer will tell you that once we get into hunting season, you get the panicked calls of, I really need to get my dog in for training. And quite honestly, at that point, it is too late. You need to wait until the next year. Training is a process. Training is going to take a certain amount of time. You're looking at anywhere from three to probably six months, depending on the trainer and and, and how they go about it. And you are not going to get a quick fix when you have waited until that point. We're kind of seeing this on so many levels with hunting where people are forgetting to make sure they have ammo and now ammo is scarce. People are not buying their decoys and getting decoys for the year and they are actually at a point where they're they're struggling uh, because of supply chain issues to, to find anything. I know personally I wanted to get teal decoys and it was about early August I thought, geez, I'm probably late, but I'll try. I went on to a website for the type of decoys I wanted, the brand, and yeah, they were they were basically waitlisted. Uh, I ended up getting putting into uh, the website to contact me when they were in stock. I now have them coming. It's probably too late in this year to use them, but I still had decoys. I just was kicking around getting new stuff and, and thought, you know, I, I've got wood duck decoys. I've got mallard decoys that are in great shape. My teal decoys are, are getting pretty beat up. So I just, I, it wasn't the end of the world, but still, August 1st, there were no teal decoys when our season opens a month later. And just now I've got the green wing decoys coming and the blue wing decoys are still on, uh, they're, they're still on back order. So I looked at it more as we're planning for next year, but I'm going to put in now, which is probably way sooner than anyone could even imagine and, and thinking toward next year because I don't see this, the, the issues with supply chains and the, the getting stuff is, is going to take care of itself in the next, in the next year or so. So with that said, dogs are the same thing. we got to plan ahead. A dog is, it's like building a house. You're building your foundation so that you can go out and the dog is under control and the dog can learn. Now, it would be a misnomer to say that they're learning how to hunt because all dogs are going to struggle when you get them out in the field. 
on hunts because there's no way to replicate hunting during training. There's just so much more chaos. It's dark. People are excited. Everyone's talking. Guns are getting loaded. It's just not anything that I know of any trainers that we're replicating. But with that said, your dog should be under control. Your dog should be through its uh, conditioned retrieve. Your dog should be e-collar trained. Your dog should have marked birds and retrieved birds. You need to get your dog out into different areas so they work in different spots so that they, the first time they see the type of terrain that you're hunting hopefully isn't as a young dog when you take them out on the first hunt. But this takes planning and it's it's almost a, it basically is an inside joke with trainers where you're getting people that are calling and saying, I need my dog trained right now. It's just, folks, it's not going to happen. you got to plan it out. Again, you're looking at three months. There's not a quick fix. The reason that you're in this position where your dog is struggling is not the dog's fault. It's your fault. You needed to put more time into it and make sure that you're in a position to succeed. Now, with that said, when do you find a trainer? I will tell you, I've never had it this busy. I am now full for next year. Now, with that said, I only take two groups, six dogs, so 12 dogs total, but we are full for all of uh, 2022. Last year, I was full in mid-November. This year, I'm full in mid-October. You need to plan these things out when you have a dog. Get a deposit down and find someone that you trust. It's, it's, it's not rocket science to train a dog, but you want to find someone that's going to do right by your dog that has experience and that is going to work with them in a fair manner so that they're not punishing the dog, they're training the dog. <clears throat> we always look at different things where with e-collars, people are saying how, uh, in, in some circles, how they're uh, abusive. And no, it's not the e-collar, it's the person. An e-collar, you're using to train a dog for, to modify their behavior. We're going to need someone that is going to use all of those tools in a behavior modification teacher kind of way giving negative reinforcement at 10 to 20%, positive reinforcement at 80 to 90%. So that dog drives out, is happy and wants to work. And that is the difference between a good trainer and a bad trainer. And you also want to get someone that's worked with a lot of dogs. There are dogs, even in my own kennel, that are quite soft in, fa in, in the sense that they don't take pressure well. <laughs> you kind of have to work with them like a psychologist where you're working them through things because you can't just go full throttle with with negative reinforcement on them because the dog will shut down. It's it's not uncommon, but there are many trainers that will actually just wash dogs out. Oh, the dog doesn't have it. Well, no, the dog has it because the dog has drive. The dog just needs to have someone train them in a little bit different way so that the dog can have fun, can learn, and can understand that there are ways they can do things where they do not get any pressure at all. And that, again, is the difference between a good trainer and a bad trainer. So you need to find someone that is in that position where they're putting out a great product, they've got experience, and they're going to put enough work into your dog. You're going to find trainers that are saying that you don't need to do conditioned retrieve. You're going to find trainers that are saying that you don't need to use e-collars. Now, my opinion is that you do both and that it is needed and that it is part of training as you build your dog. With that said, if you have a trainer that's telling you that, then you need to ask how many dogs they've run competitively. How many dogs are they running in a hunt test? How many master titled, finished titled dogs have, have they produced in the last 
let's say three years. And what I have found is a lot of the people that are out there telling you these things, one, take six to eight months to train a dog that should only take three months. And two, will give you the phrase and statement of, I train dogs for the love of hunting and for the love of the dog. I don't worry about ribbons. Yes and no. If you have someone that has a kennel, they're going to want to get their name out there. They're going to run their dogs competitively, at least your males like we do. And if it is a trainer that is training dogs and training them properly, you're still going to have clients that are going to go out and run their dogs that way. So again, make sure you're finding someone that is going to give you the product that you're paying for. If you use an e-collar, if you're doing conditioned retrieve, you can get your dog through gun dog training in three to four months. I do three months. Uh, when you're looking at not using that stuff, one, in my opinion, from what I've seen, you're not going to get as complete of a product, but two, you're also going to be paying two, uh, double to two and a half to three times what you're going to pay with another trainer. So look at that stuff, factor it in. If you have a trainer where you question working with e-collars or conditioned retrieve, talk to them. They will explain it to you if they are the right trainer for you. I go through great depths of explaining to people why we train, how we train, why it works, what the dogs are learning, and how it all comes together so that you understand that it's not just using an e-collar. It's not just doing conditioned retrieve. It's not just doing obedience. It's teaching the dog how to learn. It's behavior modification to get them to, to get them to the point where they are in essence like the matrix movie picking the blue pill over the red pill and that they will be happy and will run through a brick wall for you and do it properly once you get through it as long as it's done well and then the other thing you want to talk to someone when you're looking for a trainer is finding someone that will work with you teaching the dog and training the dog yes is part of it but training the owner is the other part and there are many trainers out there that I think go to the point where they're, they're basically not giving the train, the, the trainee, the, the, the owner, a lot of information in essence, so that they get the dog back every year because there's going to be issues that, that come up. So find someone that's a good teacher, not only for your dog, but for yourself. So that's it for this part of the show. Next, we are going to talk about things that you can do for brush-ups to work on with your dog prior and during season. And we're also going to talk about dry weather, low water, and a strategy that we use this year that has worked out so far. All that and more coming up after this. Our great fans of the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are growing at an astronomical rate, and I want to thank you all. I do ask one thing from you. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Please give us a thumbs up, follow us, subscribe to us on whatever other platforms you're on. And the most important thing I can ask, share our podcast with your friends so that we can grow our love for the dogs and dogs in the field and make it so that people are more involved in our sport. Again, thank you so much for being listeners. Take care. Jeff Fuller, again from Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. When you look at hunting, you need to have yourself prepared. Our good friends at Mac Outdoors have reloading supplies, 
as well as great clay target machines to get you prepared so you have more success in the field. Don't get that dirty look from your dog. Check out Mac Outdoors. Welcome back to the show. So we just talked about how you need to have your dog trained prior to season. Now, the other thing you need to look at is that there's always brush-ups that we do with our dogs before season and during season when issues do come up. If you have a dog that is struggling on picking birds up, you need to work with them in the yard. Get them, sir, again, picking the birds up, understand it. If you've got a dog that just doesn't understand going out in the water to get a bird when it drops because it's just different than what the training was, walk out there with them. Get the bird, but then don't just do it during hunting. Take a break during the middle of the day. Take a break in the afternoon. Go to somewhere that is similar. Not your spot because you don't want to blow your spot out, but go to somewhere similar and work with the dog. Get them so that they're like, yes, this is what I do. Then when they're doing it, you can give them all sorts of praise and good dog and love on them and get muddy with them and do all that so that they're in this position where they're like, okay, I see what I have to do. And it's never a bad time to work on obedience, to work on your dog releasing on their name and to work with a dog that is, uh, needs to just stay still, stay quiet, stay calm. So with that said, we had a, a person that emailed me and they wanted to know what is better releasing a dog on their name or having a release command. I will tell you, in all honesty, I am all about using a dog's name to release them for a retrieve. And that would be if your dog's name is Ace, when the bird is down, instead of saying fetch, you're saying Ace, you're releasing them. Uh, tank is Tank. Memphis would be Memphis. Reason being, listen to those names I just said. They all sound different. If you use fetch or a command that is commonly used in a certain training program, you're going to have multiple dogs release if you're hunting with you and your buddy's dog or someone else's dog or hell, there's even if you're on public and there's a dog that's fairly close to you. If you're using the dog's name, it is generally unique enough that the dog will understand that his name or her name means they need to release and it will be a unique command so that the dog does not go out and retrieve when they're not supposed to. So again, it was a great question. I am pro using the dog's name. Um, I, I know there's other thought processes out there, but I hope that explained it well enough. If you ever have a question and you would like us to address on the podcast, send me an email, sportingdogtv at gmail.com. I'd love to address it. We love having interaction with our fans and it makes the podcast better by giving us ideas. So again, sportingdogtv at gmail.com. That's it for our training session. Now, next, we are going to talk about field decoys and using them on a water hunt and how that has worked for us this year with low water. All that and more coming up after this. Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures and Soggy Acres Retrievers. In our house, my wife hates having the plastic kennels and wire crates. We need them for the dogs because we have times when they need to be put somewhere, but she cannot stand the look. So we talked to DCT Kennels and we now have a new partnership with them for a product that is a crate, but also a piece of furniture. If you want something that is practical, as well as great looking, check out DCT Kennels. Hey, this is Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I want you to know that we buy all of our trucks at Boucher Automotive. We go to Janesville, they've got a great selection, 
great staff. If you're looking for a new truck or car, check out our friends at Boucher Automotive in Janesville. Welcome back to the show. So the last part of our show is always a hunting tip. And this year in the state of Wisconsin, the southern half of the state is just devoid of water. I've got areas I normally hunt. We actually have hunting blinds there. I don't have any of them that I can use this year. They are all dry. So what we did though, was we have some areas, we've had to do some scouting, we've had to change where we hunt, we've had to do some different things. But we've had areas that generally would have water and they do have some water, but it's not deep. So what we did, we're taking out six field decoys with us and putting them on stands. It is a great thing because the field decoys will move. Unlike if we just kind of jammed our our water decoys in, they would just be sitting there with, with no life to them. Where we've got our field decoys out there, they're moving around. It looks like the animals are uh, feeding or the, the ducks are feeding. And so far, there aren't a lot of birds here. This this year has been a rough year. But on the few hunts that we did use the field decoys, it actually worked. So it's, it's, it's always fun to have a different strategy. Always fun to work a little bit on something different, try something else. I've got a few other things we're going to try. Again, my hope is that once the uh, migration starts, the birds don't jump over us, that, that they still come to our area. But in our area of central Wisconsin this year, it's been pretty rough. They're pretty much we're at the point where if it wasn't something that would be fun for me to learn different things on, if it was just about numbers, I, I wouldn't even go out hunting. But it is it is interesting where I have these different strategies and I have them chronicled in my, my duck log. I've got a actual a, a notebook that I'm putting in for years and in, in how the hunts go. So I've got that in there. And it's, it's just, it's a fun thing where we are keeping track of that. And then I can look back on that in years future and see if there's a correlation with water levels and where everything is at. And also some different strategies. Hopefully it'll help my kids because I'm sure I'll remember. But how neat would that be that in 30 years, they can look back on the different things we tried this year and say, hey, these are some strategies that grandpa used uh, back when he hunted in 2021. So again, field decoys on water when there's not enough water to float the decoys. It's worked pretty well for us. Give it a shot. If you have anything that you're trying that works for you that you want to add to the show, shoot me a message and we'll try to get it on. And with that said, if you like the show, please give us a five-star rating. Share it with your friends. We are exponentially growing the last couple of uh episodes we had were 10 times what the one before was it's a fun thing and the best part is that we are a community with our sporting dog adventures podcast and facebook page and social media where hopefully we can grow our sport and we can all work together to have a better season for every one of us so thank you so much for listening to today's show everyone take care I hope your season's going well. If it's not, I hope it gets better. Take care and God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.